welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, the King of the universe, grant, we pray, that the whole creation, set free from slavery, may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord says this, I am going to look after my flock myself and keep all of it in view. As a shepherd keeps all his flock in view when he stands up in the middle of his scattered sheep, so shall I keep my sheep in view. I shall rescue them from wherever they have been, scattered during the mist and darkness. I myself will pasture my sheep. I myself will show them where to rest. It is the Lord who speaks. I shall look for the lost one, bring back the stray, bandage the wounded, and make the weak strong. I shall watch over the fat and healthy. I shall be a true shepherd to them. As for you, my sheep, the Lord says this, I will judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and he-goats. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. 
Near restful waters he leads me to revive my drooping spirit. He guides me along the right path. He is true to his name. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. You have prepared a banquet for me in the sight of my foes. My head you have anointed with oil. My cup is overflowing. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Surely goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. In the Lord's own house shall I dwell forever and ever. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. Death came through one man, and in the same way the resurrection of the dead has come through one man. Just as all men die in Adam, so all men will be brought to life in Christ, but all of them in their proper order. Christ as the first fruits, and then, after the coming of Christ, those who belong to him. After that will come the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, having done away with every sovereignty, authority, and power. For he must be king until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last of the enemies to be destroyed is death, for everything is to be put under his feet. And when everything is subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subject in his turn to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessing on him who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the kingdom of our father David. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, escorted by all the angels, then he will take his seat on his throne of glory. All the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate men one from another as the shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you whom my father has blessed, take for your heritage the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you made me welcome. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. In prison, and you came to see me. Then the virtuous will say to him in reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and make you welcome, naked and clothe you, sick or in prison and go to see you? And the king will answer, I tell you solemnly, insofar as you did this to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Next, he will say to those on his left hand, Go away from me with your curse upon you, to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you never gave me food. I was thirsty, and you never gave me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you never made me welcome, naked, and you never clothed me, sick and in prison, and you never visited me. Then it will be their turn to ask, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or naked, sick or in prison, and did not come to your help? Then he will answer, I tell you solemnly, insofar as you neglected to do this to one of the least of these, you neglected to do it to me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, and the virtuous to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a lovely little story that Australian priests have been telling about shepherds uh, for years and years. And I suppose you've probably all heard it um, because it's been told so often. But uh, I suppose no one really remembers who the story is told about or even if the story is true at all. But at the risk of repeating what you've already heard, uh, I'll join the ranks of the great number of Australian clergy and tell the story again. So it's said that a bishop went to a rural parish deep in the outback to give the sacrament of confirmation to the kids in the area. And the day before the confirmation ceremony, the bishop went to the school and was asking the kids some questions, testing their knowledge of the faith. And so he was asking the children how many sacraments there were, and he was asking them if they'd memorized the Ten Commandments and asking some of the children about the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. And then the bishop started telling them the parable of the lost sheep. And little Alfred was sitting in the front row and um, the bishop asked him, Now, Alfie, your dad owns a sheep station. What would he do if one of the sheep went astray? Well, Alfie looked down, thought for a moment, and then said, Well, he'd let the little bugger go. Now, it's quite a sweet story, but it perhaps shows us how different the Jewish notion of a shepherd really is. It's quite foreign to us. So to understand what a shepherd meant to the Jews of Jesus' time, we need to do a little bit of mental gymnastics on our part. We need to recover a bit of the meaning of the concept of the shepherd in order to understand what the scriptures are getting at, and particularly what we read about in the first reading from the prophet Ezekiel. Because let's face it, in addressing the shepherds of Israel, God is giving them both barrels. Listen to this. The word of the Lord was addressed to me as follows. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, shepherds, the Lord God says this, trouble for the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Shepherds ought to feed their flock, yet you have fed on milk. You have dressed yourselves in wool. You have sacrificed the fattest sheep, but failed to feed the flock. Now, they're really strong words, and the rebuke is directed to these shepherds of Israel, and clearly, God's a little upset, because this isn't how shepherds are supposed to behave. I mean, on Aussie sheep stations, I mean, jackaroos are pretty hands-off. I mean, would they even notice if one sheep went astray, and, you know, would they bother leaving the 99 to go find the one? No, not really. I mean, it's just a different practice, but... If we imagine that this is what God is expecting of the shepherds of Israel, the ones who are appointed to care for his people, mm, sorely mistaken. The criticism that Ezekiel has for these shepherds of Israel, the leaders of the house of Israel, is that all they've done is take advantage. They've used the flock for meat, for wool, for milk, but they've not done a thing to feed them. Shepherds aren't supposed to fleece their flock for their own purposes, for their own benefit. Shepherds need to pay attention to the sheep, 
to make sure that they have enough to eat and drink. Shepherds are there to care for the flock, not for themselves. Now, this is a very different way of pasturing sheep to what we're accustomed to, but I think we get a sense of what the scriptures are getting at. The shepherds of Israel, to whom this prophecy is addressed, are the kings of Israel. The kings have failed to feed, to serve the people of Israel. And this is a problem, not just because they're neglecting their duties as king, but it's bigger than that. You see, Israel was supposed to be a magnet for the rest of the nations, a beacon toward which the world would be attracted. Seeing that Israel offered worship to and was blessed by the one true God, all other nations of the world would come to Israel and offer worship to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The kings of Israel had to bring the people together to unite them, to serve them, to feed them, so that the whole nation could be this beacon, this sign of God's presence. And the failure of the shepherds of Israel isn't just a problem of justice towards the people, it's a theological problem. The kings aren't shepherds, and Israel's not a beacon. So this is where the first reading chimes in. God makes a promise to Israel. I myself will be your shepherd. The time will come when you'll no longer have the kings of Israel, but you'll have me, personally. I'm going to look after my flock myself and keep all of it in view. As a shepherd keeps all his flock in view when he stands up in the middle of his scattered sheep, so shall I keep my sheep in view. Now flash forward to Jesus Christ. In him, we see the prophecy of Ezekiel fulfilled. In Christ, we see God himself shepherding his flock. God himself is king, his shepherd. Jesus is gathering the flock in the way that Israel should have been gathered. And he does this through his preaching. He preaches repentance. He says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent literally means turn around. He's saying, come on, sheep, head in the right direction and come into God's kingdom. The flock that Jesus is pulling together, the flock that he's shepherding, will be the true beacon to the nations. The fulfilment of the promise that God himself will shepherd his flock is found in the followers of the Good Shepherd of Jesus. Christ shepherds us. But the greatest sign of Jesus the Good Shepherd, the highest moment of his kingship, is found on the cross. In St. John's Gospel, Jesus tells us, I am the Good Shepherd, I know my sheep. And mine know me, and I lay down my life for my sheep. That sacrifice of the shepherd for the sheep happens on Calvary. And in a very sharp irony, Christ is crucified beneath the sign written by Pontius Pilate, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. This is our King. This is the Good Shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. This is the true king of Israel establishing the kingdom, the new Israel, which will take up the mantle of being the light to the nations, the beacon to the world, the great magnet, which will attract the lost sheep into the flock and will bring people into right praise and worship of God. Remember again in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, When I'm lifted up from the earth, I shall draw all men to myself. Well, this is the role of Christ to be the great gathering force for the whole of humanity. We see this amazing coming together of these two pictures. Christ as king, but Christ as shepherd. 
Not like the old kings of Israel who fed themselves on the meat of the flock and clothed themselves with the wool of the flock, but the one who laid down his life in order to gather the flock. Now, when we come to the gospel, we see this manifestation of Christ's kingship. You know, at the end of time, the Son of Man comes in his glory, escorted by all the angels. Then he'll take his seat on his throne of glory. All the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate men one from another as the shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. There we go, these two pictures coming together again. Jesus seated on his throne, clearly presented as king, but also as shepherd. Now bear in mind, in separating the sheep from the goats, Jesus is in fact gathering his flock. He's not dividing it. He's calling to himself those who truly belong to him. Now it's at this point that I think we need to remember that Jesus has been our king and our shepherd this whole time. He's been shepherding us this whole time. Having laid down his life for us, he now leads and guides us in the way of the gospel. He gathers us into his flock and he makes us ready for this last judgment. Our whole lifetime, we've been given opportunity after opportunity to follow Christ the Good Shepherd. We've all encountered him countless times in the poor and been given the opportunity to serve him and to form part of the flock. Our King is our Shepherd, the one who has gathered us together, the one who has nourished us, the one who has led and guided us into his flock. He's certainly not indifferent to the outcome of this final judgment. He wants us to be saved for the very fact that he laid down his life for us. I think sometimes this picture of the last judgment, we can be tempted to think that, you know, Jesus is the one who is pushing away the goats. But in fact, the goats aren't his. They haven't made themselves his. And so it seems to me that on this feast of Christ the King, when we also recognize Jesus as the shepherd, that we place ourselves under his kingship once more, that we place ourselves under his pastoral care once more. He's the shepherd who binds up the wounded, who seeks out the lost. He's the shepherd who gathers together into his flock. And when we allow ourselves to be led by him, we become truly his. It means then we need have no fear when Christ comes as king at the end of time, when he comes as our shepherd to gather us together and to give us the fullness of life. And this is exactly what St. Paul tells us in the second reading today. Listen to this. Just as all men die in Adam, so all men will be brought to life in Christ, but all of them in their proper order, Christ as the first fruits, and then, after the coming of Christ, those who belong to him. So on this feast of Christ the King, let us place ourselves under his loving kingship so that we may truly belong to him. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.